Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I'm so glad that I know him and I'm in his house with his people tonight. No other place I'd rather be than in God's house with God's people. And I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. I give honor to Bishop and Sister McGee tonight, Pastor and Sister McGee, in their absence. Wish they were here, uh, but understand uh, that they're not tonight. And we want to pray for them tonight and give honor to uh, Brother and Sister Mason, all the leadership ministry of this church. And uh, good to have uh, my friend, Brother Sizemore, Pastor Sizemore here. And those that came with him, I guess they're a glutton for punishment because they've already heard me three times this weekend. Uh, but I'm glad that they're here and uh, appreciate them. We had a great time over in South Gibson uh, this weekend in Revival. And uh, it's just a great thing to be able to have some of them come over here. And some of y'all over here went over there Friday night. It's, it, that's what the body of Christ should be like. That we can all get together and worship God. There's no... My kingdom, your kingdom, it's his kingdom tonight. And I'm thankful for that. If you have your Bibles and you'll turn with me tonight. Turning your attention to the book of Luke. The 23rd chapter, Luke 23, verse number 53. Luke 23, verse number 53. <clears throat> says, and he took it down, talking about the body of Christ, and wrapped it in, in linen, and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in the stone, wherein never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. He died. They buried him. And the ladies were going to go prepare his body, but it was a Sabbath day, so they weren't, they weren't able to. But they used that day to prepare spices and a day of preparation and rest before they could go and, and, and see the body of Christ. I want to preach to you on this thought, and you'll understand more about it in just a moment. I want to preach on this title, The Day With No Name. The Day With No Name. If you'll set your Bibles down, lift your hands and hearts to heaven with me right now. Help me pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your power and your majesty that we feel in this place. God, you're anointing, God. Lord, I ask, it right, ask you right now, Lord, to anoint these lips of clay, to preach your anointed word. Anoint your people here tonight, God, to not only to hear your word, but to receive your word. God, let us leave this place challenged and changed forever by your word and by your spirit. And Lord, we give you praise in advance for what you're going to do in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Before you're seated, can you clap your hands to him 
And the Bible says not only to clap, but can you add a shout to your hand clap? Amen. One more time. Let's just praise him in this house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. You may be seated tonight. History gives glory and recognition to what we call Good Friday. That is the day that Jesus died on a cross for our sins. I'm thankful for that day tonight because if it had not been for Good Friday, we wouldn't be here today. We would be lost in our sins, but he died for our sins. And history also gives recognition to a day that some call Resurrection Sunday, others call Easter, uh, something that we just celebrated just a few weeks ago. And that is the day that he rose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And, and I'm thankful for that day also because uh, if there had not been a resurrection Sunday, there would have been nothing good about Good Friday. If he was still in the tomb, we wouldn't be here because it didn't just take his death, but it took his resurrection. That way we have a hope that we can rise again in him one day. But there's a day in between those two days that never gets talked about. <clears throat> there's a day in between those days that doesn't have a title. It's the day with no name. But I believe tonight that there's some of us, we're living in that day. We're not living on the crucifixion day. We're not living in Good Friday anymore. And we're not living just yet on the resurrection Sunday, but we're caught somewhere in between. We're, we're stuck between his death and his resurrection. We're stuck between the death of our hopes and our dreams and our marriage and our finances and our loved ones, and we're hoping for something better. The women we read about in our opening text had to wait and go to visit the tomb of Jesus. It was on this day with no name that they used this day to prepare spices and ointments. So that lets me know that this day with no name is a day of preparing. It's a preparing place that God is preparing me for something greater. God is preparing us tonight for the greatest revival we've ever seen. God is preparing us for something better than we've ever had before. We're, we're on that day with no name, and I know it seems frustrating sometimes, but God is preparing you, and he's giving you what you need so that you can get to your resurrection, so that you can get to your miracle, so that you can get to the other side of an empty tomb. He's preparing you tonight. And not only did they use this day as a day of preparation, but by law it was a Sabbath day, which is a day of rest. See, God knows that the cross that you just endured was too much to take. And he's given you a Sabbath day, a day of rest before he gives you a resurrection Sunday. See, if there hadn't been a day with no name, the ladies would have gotten there too soon. 
what they would have found, they would have found a occupied tomb instead of an empty tomb. If they would have got there one day too early, they would have got there and their hopes and their dreams would have been dashed against that tomb, against that stone that was sealing that tomb. They would have found that Jesus was still inside. The words that he uttered on the cross, it is finished, would have been words of defeat instead of words of victory. There would never have been an angel to tell them to go tell the disciples that he is risen. They would have never witnessed the great miracle ever recorded in mankind if there had not been a day with no name. What are you saying preacher? I'm letting somebody know that God's giving you a day with no name so that you can rest so that you can be prepared because if you get to your miracle too soon you'll mess things up. If you get to the revival too soon you're going to mess things up. Just wait on God. He knows what he's doing tonight. Don't forsake the day with no name. It's a day he has prepared just for you. It's a day and a time of rest and preparation. I read a story one time about a piano student. And the piano student became frustrated uh, because he didn't understand why his instructor was making him stop and take a musical rest ever so often. And he asked his instructor, he said, why do I have to rest in between musical, why do I have to take a musical break? And his instructor looked at him and said, because music is sweeter after a rest. See, you got to understand that God is using this day with no name to prepare you for the greatest song that you've ever sang. It's a song of the redeemed. It's a song of victory. It's a song of the resurrection. And it's going to sound so much sweeter to this world. It's going to sound so much sweeter to this community if you just have a day to prepare and a day to rest before. <laughs> See, there's a word in your Bible in the book of Psalms is where you'll find it. And it doesn't really make sense unless you know what it means. And it's the word Selah. Uh -huh. At least that's how we say it down south anyway. And what that word means is the writer of that psalm, he would write and he would put that Selah in there to let the person know that you need to pause for just a moment and you need to think back on what you just read or what you just sang about. You need to look back over what you just saw, said and what you just read and what you just said because you don't, you don't need to miss it. You need to, you, need to, you need to pause for just a moment and think back on what God is doing in your life. And I, I can't help but think that God is giving us a Selah moment tonight. We need to look back. I, most of the time I say don't look back to your past and I'm talking about your mistakes and your failures. Don't look at those. But every once in a while, I I need to look back and remember what he did for me. If he healed my body then, he can heal my body today. If he blessed me then, he can bless me today. If he saved my family then, he can save my family today. I need a sailor moment. I need to take a pause and remember his goodness tonight. 
That's a cause for a pause tonight. I need to remember what he's done. But you know, this day with no name sometimes gets frustrating. Because I don't know how many of you have ever flown on an airplane very much. But there's a thing that when you're flying, it's called a holding pattern. And a holding pattern is actually for the protection of the airplane and its passengers. You, you, you've got to your destination and uh, because of runway unavailability or uh, traffic on the runway or because of the weather and high winds or rain or, or sleet or snow or ice, uh, the traffic control will, 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 will call up to your pilot and say, um, we're putting you in a holding pattern. You can't land just yet. And what you do is you just circle the airport. You can look out your window and you can see the runway. You know that on the other side of that runway is home. Your wife, your, your children, they're waiting on you. Your bed's on the other side. Your home is on the other side. Your vehicle. And, and, you're, and you've been gone and you're just willing to, you, you know, if you're a boy my size, you just want to get out of the airplane. They're not comfortable when you're my size. But you know, you're in this holding pattern. And it's frustrating because you can see the runway. You can see your destination. But you cannot land just yet. See, God uses this day with no name sometimes to put us in a holding pattern. We can see our destination. We can see the revival that we've been praying for. We can see the harvest field. We can see the miracle. We can see what we've been praying and fasting about. And we're saying, God, I'm ready to get there. God, I'm ready to land. I'm ready for my miracle. I'm ready for my revival. I'm ready for my harvest. But God says, hold on just a little bit. You're in a holding path. If you land right now, you're going to crash. If you land right now, now, you're going to run into somebody else. If you land right now, you're going to mess things up. Just hold on in your day with no name. Hold on in the holding pattern. God's going to work it out for you. Psalm 66 eight says, Oh, bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holdeth our soul in life. He's holding you tonight. I know it's frustrating. I know, I know it's wearing you down. I know your patience is getting thin, but just hold on just a little bit longer because there's a resurrection Sunday on the way. Just hold on just a little bit longer. God's got a plan. God's got a way, and we've got to do it his way or we'll mess things up. We've got to do it in his time or we'll mess things up. And not only, not only does God use this day with no name as a holding pattern, but he uses it as a waiting room. Waiting rooms are one of life's greatest frustrations. You'll have a 9 o'clock appointment, and don't you dare show up at 9.05. They will chew you out one way down the other. 
But they don't mind to put you in the waiting room till 10 o'clock. And it, it's frustrating sitting in that waiting room. When you know that you need to see the doctor. And you know that you need what he's got to prescribe to you. But you know what? If you're in need of a physician, you know what you do? You wait. See, God is using this day with no name as a waiting room. He, he, he's, he's got you in a waiting room uh, before your appointment with the great physician. And what needs to happen is, uh, as Galatians 6 and 9 says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. See, we can't stand to wait. It wears our patience thin because we live in a microwave society, but we serve a crockpot God. He don't always move when we want him to move. He don't always do what we want him to do. But he does what he wants to do in his time. And if you need a physician's touch, you're just going to sit and wait and say, God, I don't know why I'm waiting. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why it's taking so long. But I'm just going to trust the great physician. And I'm just going to wait until he calls my name. Just ask Mary and Martha. Jesus gets there late by their definition. And they look at him and they shake their head and they say, Jesus, you're late. If only you would have been here earlier. But what they didn't realize was that Jesus wasn't late. He was right on time. Because he wasn't coming to heal Lazarus. He was coming to raise Lazarus from the dead. You need to understand something with me tonight. God's got a plan. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. He doesn't look at time like we look at time. And you need to understand that you may think, God, you're late. You're never coming. And he's just looking at you saying, just wait. Just wait a little bit longer. I've got it all under control. Just wait and see what I'll do. Here's proof why, how we mess things up and we, we get tired of waiting. The reason we have the mess in the Middle East right now is because Abraham got tired of waiting. Abraham said, God, you promised me a son. And he's not here yet. And Sarah said, I, I don't believe it's going to happen. Let me give you my, my handmaiden, Hagar. And you go in and you have a child with her. And we'll just make God's promise come to pass. And what was born was Ishmael. And the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac are fighting right now in the Middle East right? because you can't rush what God is trying to do. What you give birth to in the flesh will always fight against what you give birth to in the spirit. And you've got to just wait and you've got to just hold on and trust God that he is going to make a way out of no way. That he's going to bring it to pass when he says bring it just hold on wait on your name to be called wait on your number to be called you may be here tonight and you're saying oh my heart needs some attention I've been waiting so long I'm getting weak and faint in the heart well I got great news for you tonight 
Because the God we serve is the master cardiologist. Because Psalms 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You may be here tonight and you're saying, I'm too weak from this journey. I don't think I can take it another day. I can't take another step. I'm going to faint. I'm going to give up. I'm weak. That's great. I've got great news for you tonight. Because not only is the God we serve have a, not only does He have a master's degree, but He is the master's degree in reflexology. Because Isaiah 40 and 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We've got to wait on Him. Whether we like it or not, we've got to wait on him. I'm not waiting on the check to come in. I'm not waiting for the doctor's prescription, but I'm waiting on him. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because I go out to eat a lot. I know that's a shocker. You can't tell. But when I hear that word wait, I don't just think about sitting there twiddling my thumbs. But I think of a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant. They wait on you. They serve you. So could it be that what God is trying to tell us tonight, that in our day with no name, he doesn't just want us sitting there twiddling our thumbs, waiting on him, but he wants us to wait on him. He wants us to serve him. He wants us to serve the body of Christ. I want to start waiting while I'm waiting. I want to start serving him while I'm waiting on him to do something in my life. And then the Bible says in Mark the 16th chapter that when the Sabbath was passed that Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they may come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? See, their main concern that day wasn't, He may be out of the tomb. Their main concern that day was, Who's going to remove the stone? Who's going to, it's too big for us. Who's going to remove the stone for us? But the Bible says that when they got there, they looked and they saw that the stone was rolled away for it was very great. See, if they would have came on the day with no name, that door would have still been sealed. If they would have came on the day with no name, there would not have been anybody there to open that door for them. But because they waited, because they prepared, because they rested, because they had a day with no name, they got there right on time. And when they got there, the tomb was not sealed anymore, but the stone was rolled away and Jesus had risen from the dead. Revelations 3 and 8 says, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. See, the reason why God gives us a day with no name is because there's some doors that I can't open. 
There's some doors that no politician can open, no preacher can open, no drug or, or alcohol can open, no doctor can open, no lawyer or judge can open, but I've got to wait on him because the door will never get open unless he opens it. And when he opens the door, he said, nobody, no devil in hell, no bad doctor's report, no problem, no financial mess, no marital problem, no son or daughter packs, nothing can shut a door that he has opened. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying he's given you a day with no name so that you can wait until he opens a door and then you can walk through victorious. Somebody said, when door, one door is closed and you're waiting on another to open, just praise God in the hallway. I just want to praise him while I'm waiting. I just want to keep on being faithful while I'm waiting. I just want to keep on serving him and waiting while I'm waiting. But within those three days in history, there's not one in more need of the great physician than Simon Peter. See, not only did the women have a day with no name, but Simon Peter had a day with no name also. But instead of using that day as a day of preparation, a day of rest, Simon Peter spent his day with no name in sheer and utter misery because he had failed God. He had denied Jesus three times, and to add insult to injury, Jesus had predicted that it would happen. It's bad to fail, but it's bad. It makes it even worse when somebody tells you it's going to happen. But when the women got to that tomb that day, an angel tells them in Mark 16, verse 7, Go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. Notice that the, the angel make special recognition of Simon Peter. This is not a mere accident. This wasn't because the angel was suffering uh, from memory loss and couldn't remember the other disciples' names. But the disciple that he, re that he called by name was the one who had denied Jesus. He was the one who didn't feel like he belonged anymore. He was the one that felt like an outcast and a failure. So the angel said, go tell James and John and Andrew and the rest of the boys, but make sure you find Simon Peter and let him know that Jesus is risen, that Jesus isn't in the tomb any longer. So this day with no name for Simon Peter is not the end of the story like he thought it was. Because the women, they come and find the disciples. And they said, listen, we went to the tomb and there was an angel there. And he had rolled the stone away and his body was not inside anymore. So John and Peter go running to the empty tomb. And the Bible says that John stops at the door and he just peeks in. He didn't go inside. But Peter said, get out of the way, John. I gotta get in here for myself. I gotta see 
this for my, he jumps in. That, that's one thing you got to love about Simon Peter. He was a zealous kind of guy. You know, he, he was the one, when Jesus came walking on the water, he said, uh, Lord, if that's you, let me walk to you. And he stepped out of the boat and he started walking on the water. And I know the story. I know he got his eyes off of Jesus and got his eyes on the waves and, and got his ears on the wind and he started to sing. But there were still 11 other guys that never got out of the boat. I'd rather have one person willing to get out of the boat. They may fall flat on their face, but at least they're willing to get out and try something. You know, he, he's the one that cut the high priest's servant's ear off, you know, in the garden. He, he's the one when Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. He said, no, you're not washing my feet, Lord. And Jesus said, well, you're none of mine then. He said, well, go ahead and wash my whole body. He was zealous. So it doesn't surprise me that when John stopped at the door that Simon Peter said, I'm not stopping short this time. I've got to go all the way. I've got to see this for myself. I can't go by somebody else's words. I've got to see it for myself. And he got inside the empty tomb. And the Bible said he saw the linen clothes that were covering the body of Jesus laying there. And the Bible says that separated from his clothes was the napkin that was about his face folded, laying separate from the linen clothes. Some believe that there's a lesson to be learned in this story. Because in those days, in the biblical times of Jesus, when the master of a house would be eating dinner, he would take his napkin if he was done with his food. And he would wipe his mouth and clean the crumbs off. And he would wad that napkin up. And he would throw it on the plate. And that symbolized to his servants to come and clean the table that the master has done. But if he had to go take care of business or had to go answer the door and he was not through with his food, he would very gently and nicely, he would fold his napkin and he would lay it on the table and that signified to his servants that the master's not through, that he's coming back. So when Simon Peter got inside that tomb and he saw that folded napkin, surely a smile got on his face because he realized the master is not through with me. The master is not done. He's coming back. I failed him, but he's not gonna fail me. I made a mistake, but he still has mercy. I gave up, but he still has grace. He's not through with me just yet. Oh, can we all stand? It was in that moment that misery met mercy. It was there that Peter realized that the day with no name was not the end, but actually the beginning. It was there that he realized the words of Jesus when Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. See, you need to understand tonight, just because you've made mistakes, it's not the end. Your day with no name is not the end. Your mistake is not the end. 
It's not the end of the story. There's a resurrection Sunday. There's an empty tomb. There, there, there's hope for you tonight. That, that, that's not the end of the story. You need to realize that there's somebody praying for you tonight. And he said, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. See, you're here tonight to be strengthened so you can go convert thy brethren. What Jesus was saying was, Simon, I know you're getting ready to go through a trial. I know you're getting ready to make a mistake, but I'm praying for you. I know Satan would love to destroy you, to sift you as we, but I'm praying for you. And when thou art convinced, he didn't say if, he said when. He knew that Simon had another side of the story, that they was, no name was not the end. He said, when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. See, that's what you need to do tonight. You need to be strengthened tonight. You need to be converted tonight because you've got to go and you've got to reach people in this community that pastor won't be able to reach, that bishop won't be able to reach, that I will never be able to reach. You've got to, it's going to be your testimony that reaches somebody. It's going to be what you've been through and what your day with no name, what happened in your day with no name that's going to reach them and pull them into this church tonight. That's right, amen. And notice... What happened after Jesus showed himself to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee? They ate fish. And after they had ate, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said, Feed my lambs. Again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. Then he said the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because Jesus had said the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. See, Simon Peter got frustrated with what was seemingly redundant questioning of Jesus. But what Jesus was doing was not repetitiveness. But he was giving Simon Peter a chance to make right every time he made things wrong in his life. Simon Peter denied Jesus three times, and Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? See, I'm a preacher tonight that believes that God's going to give you an opportunity for every mistake. Every time you failed him, every time you've denied him, every time you've done wrong, he's going to give you a chance to make it right. So I want to tell this body of believers tonight as we all bow our heads, close our eyes. <laughs> Don't stay at the crucifixion because he's not there anymore. Revisit it, absolutely. Celebrate it, of course, but don't stay there. And don't stay at the day with no name either because it's just a place of preparation and rest. It's just a holding pattern or a waiting room. It's not a place that he intended for you to live and dwell. But you've got to go all the way to a resurrection Sunday. To the other side of an empty tomb. Because that's where the power is. That's where the victory is. That's where the blessings are. That's where the revival is. Is on the other side of an empty tomb. So I believe tonight that there's some of you
that you fall within one of these categories tonight. You're either like the women and you're stuck on that day with no name and God's given you a day to rest and prepare. He's given you a waiting room or a holding pattern and you become frustrated with it. You, 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 your patience is gone and you're saying, God, I don't understand why. I don't understand why I'm still stuck where I'm at, God. I, you, you, you prophesied to me, Lord. You, you gave me dreams and visions, God. I've been praying and fasting about it, God. And I know that it's right there. And I know it's right there within my reach. But I just can't seem to get there just yet. Be encouraged today. He's given you a day with no name to help you Get rested and prepared because you're getting ready to do something great for him. You're getting ready to see the greatest revival you've ever seen. You're getting ready to see miracle signs and wonders like you can't even imagine if you'll just hold on just a little bit longer. And maybe you're here tonight and you're like Simon Peter and you've made mistakes. You've failed God. But I want to tell somebody tonight, there's a folded napkin here tonight to let you know that it's not over, that it's not the end, that the day with no name is just the beginning of what God is going to do in your life. Don't listen to the lies of the adversary. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy tonight. It is not the end. You are here tonight for a purpose. You are here tonight not by accident, but God has a purpose and God has a plan for your life tonight. So whoever you are tonight, no matter what you're doing on your day with no name, if you're here tonight and you just need strength, if you need hope, if you need encouragement, this altar's open right now. Would you just step out of your Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.